Blog Talk Radio. Hello to all the listeners out there, and welcome to this Sunday's edition of the Too Much Show. Today is December 22nd, 2019, and here on the Too Much Show, it's always real talk by real people, and happy holidays to everybody. Happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, everything. All right, happy Hanukkah, and I am your host, MT, and with me are my co-hosts. Well, we're going to call him Mr. Velvet Jones because he's MIA right now. And then you got your other co-host, Zeus the Truth, right now on the air. (laughs) And I just want to get into it just because, you know, he was a little bit late. And um, talking about uh, Velvet Jones, we're going to get into that later. We're going to know why we're calling Mr. Jones Velvet Jones later. But today is a day of reckoning. Okay? Because we're about to wreak havoc. Um, we're going to switch it up a little bit, man. We're still going to get to the sports and entertainment, but also um, we want to take a time of ease and then also let everything flow, give you a nice, genuine show. As always, we'll talk about real people. And we have some nice subjects for y'all today. Well, not even subjects, just topics, you know what I'm saying? Just the realest, undebatable topics I've ever heard, you know what I'm saying? So it's always in the truth, and I'm ready to get into it, man. Um before I get into it, Mr. Jones, are you here? Um, did Did you clear Did you clear the uh, the yogurt out your throat? <laughs> get out of here! But I'm here. Mr. Jones. <laughs> oh, hey, look, hey, nah, I'm about AKA to start calling that man Jones. DJ Jones. He always be remixing the theme song. You notice how he be DJ going back trap, man? Be right. My man be scratching it on the ones and twos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a remix. Always got again. the. The classic, the classic intro. You hear me? Oh, let me go ahead and put some, uh, we start on the some DJ Ren on this real quick. Let me run it back. <laughs> Since we laugh at the not real talk though. Since we laugh at the finals of the Too Much Show Football League, I just want to thank everybody for joining this season. The season we had like three or four times this season, and yeah, we down to the finals, man. It was a great season. Yeah, I would say this is uh, one of the most competitive seasons that I've played in fantasy sports um, in a nice long, long while. And um, the division that I was in, it was pretty much clutch. It was almost like the NFC East, <laughs> but uh, we're not even no, there yet. I was there, brother. I was there, brother. Was oh, well, yeah, I forgot. Much. You was in my division. And Craig. Okay, and well, Craig you know we had a great division. Yeah, I know. Nah, he he kind of yeah. slum though. I mean, we ended up tying, so I mean, I mean it wasn't that good. The end, but you beat him twice. That's how he got it. And you beat me, man. You beat me at the end. You were clutch. Both of y'all were clutch. You too, MT. Thank you. That was a great season. I sure did. I had to win. Shout had out, to win and, shout out to know. Lamar Jackson for killing killing my hope. Oh man. <laughs> Talk about so, that guy. Uh, anything. If anybody in any fantasy league, you had Lamar Jackson, you should be in the finals right now. If you're not, I don't know what your pick was or picks after that, but you need to go ahead and reevaluate yourself for next year because you should be in the finals, and if anything, you should be the bank. Oh, to bring it home. Uh, yeah, about I would say that, too. 
Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, your running back core definitely got you in there, Mr. Jones. And one thing that I can say is, man, one, one, I guess, a group of players that were consistent for me throughout the year was the Patriots' defense, man. Like, they were, like, some of my best damn players. Like, seriously. They always gave me, like, 20 points. And then, you know, I was lucky yeah, enough to be able to pick up the Ravens' defense. Yep. And I was lucky enough to pick up the Ravens' defense. They came through clutch a couple times, except for this past week when they allowed the damn New York Jets to score 21 points. Damn it. But, but you know what made year. this league so great, though? It's been a different winner every year. It has. Like this year with Carolina. Nobody's right. Yeah, you know, I'm not even going to call out who said that he was trying to fix it because all three of the hosts was in the finals or in the playoffs. But, I mean, you got to think about up. it. We're the host for, the, for the reason. <laughs> we made these strategic moves to make to get where we need to be. So we are the competition. Exactly. Still I was know about that to say, the, the only person. Yeah, and the only person that was able to prove the whole season was Mr. Jones. Shit, me and you had to fight, uh, Zeus. Had to fight definitely. the last few Most weeks. Because it looked cloudy for us. I didn't even think I was going to make it. I didn't think I was going to make it either. <laughs> I think, uh, what was that, after I think I got my first win on my streak, I was like, okay, I might lose my next game. But then I seen seen the matchup, and I made some late changes. And it pretty much won me the game. And I think I probably would have lost if they would have made a change. But then that win streak kind of got me over. So That was good, but uh, what I want to end this off, uh, if anything, the fantasy, I mean, like, who would you think right now was, like, the top three or the top five, like, people in fantasy? And then that way we can go ahead and kick uh, it into boxing. Well, right, from what I see, go ahead. I see Lamar Jackson definitely. McCaffrey had a good season. Um, defensive-wise, definitely the defense. Yeah, Derrick Henry. Yeah, well, did have some nice games, but he he was also yeah, he was up but down. he had some great games. I had a, a lot of uh, twenty plus games with him, uh, probably about a handful. Um, um, Zeke has who else? Zeke had a decent season. He was consistent. Like Michael Thomas was probably the most consistent for wide receivers. Yeah. 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 All right, it was man, a lot so. of ups and downs for a lot of people, you know? It's kind of really hard to get it out fast. It was. But let's go ahead and kick it off in the boxing, y'all. Good matchup last night on Fox. You know what I'm saying? PBC, it was free. Um, Jamel Charlo for Tony Harrison Jr. for the second time. Um, Tony Harrison had a year layoff trying to fully recover from the injuries. I know some people were trying to call Tony Harrison Tony Harrison scared and soft, but I get it. You want to make sure if you're going in there to put your belt on the line, you want to go in there at full strength and make sure that you're good. So I don't blame him for taking his time. But they fought last night in Fox, and um, you want me to take it away first, Mr. Jones, or what you want me to do? 
Go ahead, take it away. All right. So first off, I, I mean, it depends on what direction you're going in. I mean, let's, let's let's talk about you know the pregame. If anything, I about to say this wasn't a first fight, was it? No, this wasn't the first one. So in the first fight, it was a very controversial decision. Um, some people felt like Jamel Charlo was robbed of his WBC super uh, super welterweight title. That's the 154-pound title. Some people felt like he was robbed. Um, Charlo outlanded him that fight, had a better connect percentage, um, and overall looked like he was the aggressor in the fight, but Tony Harrison stood tall. But I'll tip my hat off to Tony Harrison in this fight. Uh, you could tell he had a different camp. He was definitely focused, um, and he went into the fight confident. Um, one thing that I'll give him his credit for is that he didn't fold early because it's very easy when you got a big dude, a big powerful guy like Charlo who can swing and Charlo came out there swinging for the fences the first couple rounds. But Tony Harrison stayed poised, um, stayed in the pocket a little bit, moved around until he was able to frustrate Charlo. And then it was some rounds where he was actually walking him down. Um, the thing, uh, he hit Charlo with a couple body shots, but salute to, uh, salute to Charlo's trainer. Because even though, which we found out later on, and we'll get to that after Mr. Jones makes his point, even though Charlo was actually up on a judge's scorecard, he kept talking to Charlo about being patient. The punch was there, all that showboating and everything that he's doing. Look for the right shot and hit him with it. And when it got late in the fight, Charlo stayed patient. You know, he had a couple angles on him, and he was able to hit him with some big shots and put him down. So, with that being said, hey, Charlo walked away with the victory in the 11th round and reclaimed his title. But, Mr. Jones, what were your thoughts on the fight? I mean, you said everything perfectly for the most part. The only thing I may add is um, from the opening bell, you seen what Charlo's strategy was. Put him on the ground and put him on the ground fast. Shout out to Harrison for, you know, surviving the onslaught throughout the fight. But... I had to say in the beginning, Charlo looked very undisciplined, and I think for bigger fights, that may be an issue. It all depends on the mm-hmm. training and how the training goes forward. But he did show patience in the middle and later rounds. But in the beginning, I thought he was going to punch himself out early. And he very well might get countered severely against some of the other fighters in the future. But... Mm-hmm. Let's see. So do you um, think? Uh, do you, have do you think? Uh, go ahead. Do you think this was like mediocre? I mean, because yes. to me, I, I really think that um, the Charlo brothers are kind of overrated, and they talk a lot of trash. And I believe I don't think some Jamal of their fights. Well, the other Charlo is pretty sharp. No, yeah, no. The the other Charlo is sharp. He uses angles. He's patient. He sits on a lot of his punches. Jamal is the one that I actually believe in, the one that fights at 160. He's the one that I think if he gets a couple more fights under his belt, I would love to see him versus Canelo because I think that that would be a good fight. But this one, this Jamal, you can tell, man. He's sloppy. He thinks everybody's supposed to just lay down for him. 
And I get as a boxer that you got to have confidence, but sometimes the way he goes into some of these fights and swinging for the fences like yesterday, if Harrison actually had some power behind his shots and was sitting on some of his punches, he would have put Charlo on his ass because it was like two to three straight rounds where he was walking down Charlo and cutting off the ring and forcing Charlo on the ropes. He just didn't have a lot of power behind his punches. Well, that's what that was. Let's talk. Let's talk about some of the big dogs at 154, though. Like, who's going to be next? Who do you think should be next for him? So for Charlo, here's what's going to happen. I need to look it up. Yeah, I need to look it up to see who the WBC mandatory is. But I don't know. Maybe Charlo can go up against Danny Garcia. Maybe Danny Garcia step up to 154. Um. I mean, he got Laura uh, out there. Of course, you got yeah, her. Yeah, he got Laura. Yeah, but I don't think, first of all, here's the thing. I don't want to see a Tony Harrison Charlo 3. I don't want to see that. Exactly. I'm about to say, we can all right agree we don't anyway. want to see a rematch. No, nah. I do not want to see it. But then again, it's like, I kind of do want to see it because of the decision that was made at the end, which was controversial. I mean, okay, well, it depends on how you look at the situation. Because one, you got the factor of the well-being of the boxer. Uh-huh. And that goes into everything. But also, it seemed like he was attentive. And he was at attention and knew what was going on in the ring before the match stopped. Uh-huh. So my question is to you, do you think that was the best the best ruling, or was it was it the best, or was that even called for? Was it called for the referee to stop the fight? I'm gonna say this: so you get knocked down two times in a round, and then you go and lay on the ropes, and in one of those times that you was on the ropes, your head snapped back. It literally looked like fight night. It looked like a fight night uh, knockdown that second time the way his head was just snapping. But you get up from that second time, and then you go to lay on the rope. I mean, I'm not going – at first I thought that the referee stopped it too soon, but then I watched it a couple more times, and I'm just like, you know what? He did the right thing. Because you don't lay there and just let a fighter take that kind of punishment for 20 or 30 seconds. I get that Harrison was trying to get himself together, but – you at least got to show some type of defense. Like, throw, you know it's what I'm saying, put, throw soldiers up there. Yeah, and it, exactly. And, you know, they still got it in the back of their mind, the depths and everything that's been happening early in the year. You can't sit there and lay down after being knocked down two times in a ring. Like, you just can't do it. But then we found out from the scorecards anyway that they had Charlo up, which I didn't agree with. Like, one judge had a 98 to 95. I didn't see that in the fight. And I watched every single round, everything. I actually had Harrison up by a round or two before the knock, uh, before the 11th round, and those knockdowns happened. But it is what it is. But for me, for Charlo, what needs to happen is this. He, he needs to take another fight, tune up. Um, I, 
they're trying to get this undisputed fight to happen between uh, Jared. I mean, I'm sorry, not Jared, Julian Williams and um, Charlo. If that doesn't work, I'm hoping that Jared Hurd can knock this guy out, have a good showcasing in January, then get a Julian Williams rematch, and then the winner of that goes and fight Charlo for like a mega fight in December of 2020 or maybe February or March of 2021. But heard according to what he said he's going to go back to fighting or he's still going to he's going to stay at 154 and he plans on fighting two to three times a year so if he knocks this guy out in january look for him to at least try to go after julian or somebody maybe even charlo with do you think that's suitable for him though to to do that yeah think about the conditioning i mean two three fights a year yeah i mean i can see two i can see two the beginning, and then maybe the end, and get the main setup. But after then, I mean, three. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of pressuring yourself. You're giving a lot of other well, what, people. Well, what's going to be a wash? All three yeah. of them are going to be big fights. One of them going to be against okay. no, all three of them not going to be. Not, no, not of its caliber. So it's possible. Exactly. Yeah. It, not only is it possible. I mean, three fights, to me, is definitely possible because when you think about him, one thing that I've always commended him with or commended him for was his conditioning. He's always had good conditioning in his fights, and that's when he would usually take over a lot of his fights in the later rounds. He was a slow starter, and then by the sixth or seventh round, he starts coming back well and away at the body and then scores a knockdown. So... That's usually what happens with that. So at the end of the day, I can see him fighting two to three times, especially, I mean, if you're going, he could fight in January, turn around, fight again in the summertime in about June, and then fight again in November or December. So I think he just wants to do that to show that he wants to be at the top of 154 and he wants another title shot. That's what that is. The question is, are they going to give him Julian first? I'm sorry, they're going to give him Julian after this January fight for his rematch, or will he get Charlo? That's the question. That's what I have to wait and see on that. Uh-huh. All right, man. So, right. if anything, man, let's go ahead and switch it up, man. Going into, you know, the NFL kind of switched up the schedule. We had three uh, games yesterday on Saturday, and I believe which was the best game. So, if yeah, anything, we just want to do a short recap. Um, like I said, we also switching the metaphor for this to today's show, and then also we just want to do a short recap on the most unpopular games, and then maybe we we'll probably get into our pickums on, I guess, maybe some personal games that everybody want to watch, and then we can give our criticism on it as well. So, just recapping yesterday's game. Mr. Jones, you want to take this off? Yeah, so first game we had the Texans against the Buccaneers. Pretty good game. Went down to the Wires. Texas snuck it out 23-20. to One thing that's glaring and alarming is Jameis Winston is a turnover machine. I mean, he's serving patients yeah. left and right. He had five turnovers yesterday. Horrendous. He said he opened up. He opened. He opened up Tony, Tony Romo's turnover shot. 
Nah, man, I think he passed that, brother. That's what I say. He, I like think he, he just took over the franchise. He, he took over the franchise. Yeah, man. he turned over now. Yeah, Tony Romo ducked donuts and that dude Starbucks. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. But nah, getting to the next game. This was a big game, you know, division game. Actually, close in the division, and Patriots does what the Patriots do. One in twenty-four to seventeen, and a very tough matchup against the Bills. The Bills are for real this year. But is there anything that y'all got from that game before we get to the last one? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I went two and one yesterday. Um, but just with the Texans, it just showed their inconsistency. With Jameis Winston throwing four interceptions, there's no reason why the Houston Texans should have won that game by three points. It should have been by more. Exactly. But, I'm not even lying to the, you. It, go yeah. ahead, man. I'm gonna let you finish. No, I mean it's just a team that honestly I see that when the playoffs come, depending on who their matchup is, especially if they play the Bills, I got them. I got them being one and done. The Houston Texans. I don't have them going to the divisional round. I have them losing in the wild card, probably to the Buffalo Bills if the seeding stays the same. And that's it, and that's all. As far as the Patriots, the Patriots are doing Patriot things. Uh, Julian Edelman was came in that game hobbled, really wasn't even supposed to play. He was like a game-time decision. And the Patriots doing what they do best, which is find a way to win. And so salute to them for that. Uh, but overall, uh, both of those games were good games, but the Texans should have won by more. And salute to Tom Brady as well, man. Goat Brady getting out there throwing that block. 42 years old, ladies and gentlemen. And he's still out there playing like he's 25. <laughs> All right, you're going to need some big games of that. But let's get to the last game. The L.A. Rams, after that ass-whooping they took last week, I repeat, ass-whooping they took last week, kind of redeemed themselves, played a decent game. I have to say, golf outplayed Garoppolo this game, but the better team won, and San Francisco continues to prove that no matter what you throw against them, they're going to find a way to win as well. 31-34, by the way, was his final score. Very close game. Any thoughts on that game, gentlemen, before we continue? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is the game or this game is basically what we're used to seeing out of the L.A. Rams this season. Mediocre play. Um, mediocre Or they team. jump out. Yeah, from a mediocre team, they jump out there, they get out to a lead, and they can't maintain it. And where has the defense been this season? That's the real yeah, what has what has said, everybody that's been re-signed been this season for that team? Yeah. Like, that Aaron was my Donald, main thing about them in the beginning of the season. I said yeah. it's a lot of players that they signed for one-year contracts just to get them to where they was last year. Now, mm-hmm. for the people that they re-signed, where have they been? That's a question. And then it, it is. At the end, to that deep pass to Sanders, too, what a miscommunication between Ramsey and the um, safety there. The safety was supposed to oh, cover the horrible. inside. It made Ramsey look foolish. This is not even his fault. 
Yeah, I mean, it was horrible communication, and that and that's the story of this season. It is. It it's those missed opportunities like that. It's poor execution, and this is why they're going to be one of those teams that's nine and seven, but sitting at home during the playoffs and not even have a chance to play in the playoffs because of games like that. Because all you had to do was win out. Yes, I get it. It was a tall task. Minnesota would have had to lose out. But Minnesota's playing Green Bay today, which is a game that we'll get to. But Minnesota's playing Green Bay today. That's the game that Minnesota could have lost. And then next week, who knows what could have happened. And the Rams have the Cardinals next week. But when you had your foot on San Francisco next, I mean, think about the last drive in that game. Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers completed two. Not one, but two third and long plays on that drive. Two third and six. Yeah. And the defense definitely couldn't come that. up with that was a deep. shot. Mm. Yeah, and the sad part is... They try to play tight. They try to play tight. But once they... Once they see in that coverage, I mean, go ahead and blow off their backs. Come on. If anything, they're yeah, going to play in the actually, coverage. If they want to play man, go ahead and do the slant. We'll take the yeah, quick 15, and, 18 yards. Cool. Yeah, but what made it so bad was, so on the first one, they tried to play tight, and they gave up 18 yards. But then on the second one, you played a prevent-type defense. You only sent three, uh, three rushes in there after Garoppolo. And you all still couldn't come up with a stop, and you allowed Emmanuel Sanders to get behind the zone and catch a huge pass. It's sad at the yeah, end. Yeah, they're supposed to prove but Garoppolo can't even get the ball off because the drive before that, they had two sacks in a row. Yeah, big ones too. Yeah. But, hey, it's been the story. It's been the story of their season. It has. And it's been, and that's told the tale of the L.A. Rams and why they need to go and reevaluate some things. And instead of just trying to go out here and pay all this money to get, quote, unquote, you know, the best talent and paying all this money, why don't you actually try to develop some players instead of trying to get other teams' players? That's the question that I have. Instead of you spending 50, 60, 70 million and Fifty, sixty, seventy million in the off season, and getting all these players and signing them to one year deals or one year options and things like that. Why not just do what you're supposed to do? I and mean, they won't be a team to talk about next year. I guarantee that. Yeah, it's definitely got to be a topic next year. And the question is: Is Ramsey even going to resign for long term? Because you done gave up all those picks and everything, and gave up Marcus Peters. You traded him away and then use those picks to go get Jalen Ramsey, the question is, is he even going to resign? Because if he doesn't, then what? Now you ask out. Jalen Ramsey to the Patriots. I could see that. And if he goes there with <laughs> him and Stephon, yeah. I mean, but, but here's the, the only reason why I say that probably won't happen is because I don't think Jalen really wants a title right now. He don't care about a championship. He just wants to he wants money and he wants to be on a decent team where he doesn't have to do everything. If it was about winning a championship, I do think that he would take the pay cut, go play for the Patriots, and him and Gilmore, shit, you might as well 
athletes, I'll jump up and take the Patriots defense and special teams in like the fifth or sixth round of the fantasy draft at that point. Because you know teams are going to just turn the ball over left and right. Which side are you going to throw the ball to? Pick your poison. That's true. That's true. But we can go ahead and get into today's games and the ones that we're going to go over. Oh, yeah, for Pickens last week, you can go ahead and take it away, Mr. Jones, and who the winner was. This is crazy. So, y'all two, Zeus and MT, y'all tied last week. And you literally won by one point on Monday night score. The final score was 41. You predicted 42. Zeus predicted 43. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Crazy week. And the season leader is still so fighting. I'm trailing by, like, only two games. So let's see what happens at, by the end of the season, y'all. But let's yeah, get to the that games. Today, that... Don't worry about it. Don't get that today. <laughs> don't worry about it. Well, good luck. Let's get into the games that matter today. The first one I think that matters in the morning I say the Ravens versus the East 99 Browns. The reason why this matters is that the Ravens win, the playoffs go through Baltimore. So do you think they're going to clinch it today and get this over with? I mean, it's a division game. I do think it's going to be a little bit tougher game than people are uh, giving the Browns. But overall, man, the Ravens are rolling. They're going to beat the Browns. Um, I just want to say, hopefully, <laughs> that this travels somewhere. Sit Lamar Jackson, sit him down, because this this may be one of those games that change the whole future for the Ravens. Just because it's a division game, and people are part, playing with their pride versus just trying to get a win to get anywhere. So that's just my thought. A process right now. Because we all know who's going to win. I mean, the Browns are dysfunctional, so it's not really nothing to talk about. Yeah, you got a point. Ravens, might as well go ahead and clinch it. It's going through Baltimore, baby. Next game that kind of matters. The Arizona Cardinals versus the Seattle Seahawks, because if the, if the Seahawks win... They're pretty much on the road to clinching the West. Who y'all got that game? Uh, I don't even think we even need to waste our time with this one, but it's definitely yeah, come on now. the Seahawks. I got the Seahawks. It's Calamari and his execution, man. That's the main thing. So I'm going with the Seahawks. Another dogfight. It's a division game, so it won't be easy, but – I just think the running game and everything, man, of uh, the running game of um, of the Seahawks is just going to be too much, and they'll be able to beat the uh, the Cardinals. And then they just let go of Terrell Suggs, the Cardinals. Yep. So that's another key piece on defense that's gone. All right, let's not wait no further, man. Today, 125 on the west, 425 on the east. 
It was a sorry ass adventure today, but somebody got to take it. You got the Dallas Cowboys playing the Philadelphia Eagles live at the link, over or under three fights. And then on top of that, who you got winning? Well, over three fights because we know that Philly fans are some of the most ignorant. That's number one. Number two, I mean, I have no choice but to go with my Dallas Cowboys. I think that we, I think it is going to be some bullshit calls in this game. I think it's going to be some calls that's going to make you scratch your head and question why the hell referees are even allowed to, some referees are even allowed to officiate. But overall, I just have, what's the name? I just have them winning the division, the Dallas Cowboys. I think Zeke is going to be too much. Uh, but if I'm the Cowboys, one of the strategies that I use and smarten up with is, I am going to have Dak Prescott throw a couple passes. And because if you start off with Zeke and you try to establish the run, then Philly's just going to stack eight in the box and dare Dak to throw. We know that Philly's weak point of their defense is 1,000% their secondary. It ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's the secondary. And – you have to show them that the shoulder injury that you have will not hinder you, and you're not afraid to test their secondary. This way they can't keep seven, eight, and nine people in the box to try to stop Zeke. Also, another thing that the Dallas Cowboys need to do, they need to use the one-two punch like they did last week of Pollard and Zeke. If Zeke is not working, don't be afraid. Throw Pollard in there. Give him 10 to about 13 carries. From here on out, not only this game, but for the rest of the season, that way you can mix it up and have a good one-two punch, thunder and lightning. That's how you got to come at some of these defenses. That way they don't know who the game plan for. But I'm looking for the Cowboys to uh, to score, man, on a late field goal by their wonderful new kicker that didn't miss a field goal at all last week. And one of the things that I will predict, is the new, uh, what is it, Kai Forbath? He will miss his first kick today in Philadelphia. He will. He will miss his first field goal today. Kai Forbath, former Redskin kicker, right? I think he made the longest kick in Redskin history, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But that's another story. <laughs> that's another story, but... um. I got the Cowboys winning it. They riding off a high after last week's game against the Rams of vision that playoff loss. They actually showed some heart. Witten had an incredible game. He's about a touchdown or two away from being the Cowboys' all-time touchdown leader over Dez Bryant. So I think that's going to motivate him to probably get a tug this game. And let's be honest, um, Philly has no receivers. I mean, Aguilar is out. Jackson is out. Other receivers are questionable. I mean, Jeffrey, and Carson Wentz under the Jeffrey's past. Gonna play. Yeah, and then under the past few weeks, I, I mean, he the past play. Been I ain't even lie. That was like one of the worst people. Oh man, that was one of the worst like prospects of this season that didn't perform. Not even gonna lie, we should actually get into that. Like, go not this show, maybe another show, but I'm disappointed in him. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, I got Dallas. 
I don't even think it's gonna be close to I got Dallas kind of controlling the game. Throughout. It's sad. I have Dallas too. Um, I thought about the game strategy, and then um, also piggybacking what MG said. Um, actually using using that to make throws, so that way Zeke can open up the run. And if they do the one-two punch with Pollard, that would be a nice addition into your game. But what I would say, if they did stack the eight, I mean, just burn the backfield up. I mean, I don't think their safeties are really the best right now. So, I mean, their corners are pretty decent. But if you can get past the safety, I think he may have a field day. So, it all depends on that, and it depends on how they use the running and short pass game. So, I definitely have Dallas for this game. And just to make it a definite, just because the exploits that I could see you guys winning this game over the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, that'd be almost a clean sweep of the division this year, pretty much. Uh, hold on, Mr. Jones, well, Mr. Is. Jones, Mr. Jones, you skipped over an early game, sir, that has very significant playoff implications for both teams. Oh, I'm sorry. I know we'll what game you're it. talking about. No, no, no. Well, well obviously this one. Yeah, well, all right, so we got that one. But uh, the Saints and the Titans, that's a big game. Yeah, I was going to get into it. Yeah, that is, that's that's a big game. Who that? I got the Saints in one, and it's going to be a shootout, though. Uh, I do not have the Saints. I actually have the Titans to win this and get into the playoffs. See? Yeah, I got the Saints one in it, man. Who you all got, right, I got the Titans. Who you got? You said Who you got, depending dude? on the Titans, the Titans and yeah, thanks for the Titans. Correct. Oh, I think in my pickums, I actually picked the Titans. I wanted okay. to go. With, matter of fact, it may not be that game because I may be thinking about the Minnesota game. I know I picked the upset. And it was for particular reasons. But then with the Saints and the Titans, I may have picked the Titans, but I'm going with the Titans now just because thinking of it, I think the Titans may surprise the Saints. I mean, they've been playing dominantly, but... They don't got nothing to lose. Exactly. So that all boils down to the previous games that I said... All these teams that don't have anything to lose is trying to make the other team lose more, in which they may play with more aggression. And it's more of a pride thing to end the season off. Um, but no, what the the Titans, major question well, is, who's going to be at home? Uh, the Titans are at home, and the season is in – I don't think the Titans are officially eliminated from playoff contention. Because remember, if Pittsburgh loses – then the Titans can grab that six seed. But, yeah, so they could grab that six seed. So the division is not – I'm sorry, the uh, playoff spot is not locked up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if the Titans win today, then they still have a shot to get in. 
Yeah, so let's get into the Sunday night game. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Bears. Who you got? Really not excited. Ooh, Chiefs and the uh, Chiefs, Chiefs and the Bears. Uh, come on. I'm actually Skip. I'm actually taking the upset <laughs> and I'm going with the Bears. Why? Uh, please tell me a reason, Dan, because I was definitely about to skip this. You have to tell me something. Uh, I, tell I, me one of those, I don't know. I mean, I just think that the Bears, to me, I mean, I know Mahomes and everything is trying to get in the playoff form and everything, but the Chiefs are in. They've already locked up a playoff position. So, And I don't even think that their seeding can change that much. And they're already going to host a playoff game. So with that being said, they know that they're on the road for the next couple games if they win the wild card. So they know that they're on the road for divisional and conference championship if they make it that far. So I don't even see Mahomes playing this entire game. So I'm going to go with the Bears. And the Bears have very slim playoff hopes as well. Very slim. Yeah, but it's a risky one. We'll see. Trubisky won't fuck it up. They got the cheese. All right, and then tomorrow's night game. This might be a doozy. You got the Green Bay Packers playing the Minnesota Vikings live at U.S. Bank Stadium. Who you got? Ooh, it's going to be a tough one. But I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings to get the win over Aaron. I got the Vikings winning that game. Who you got, Zeus? Man, Zeus over there catching three or four felonies, man. It's all right. We'll get to him later. No, 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 yeah. no. No. <laughs> just a little bit on delay. <laughs> just a little bit on delay, okay? But um, just like on delay, if anything, I uh, have uh, definitely the uh, the Titans. This is what I was just talking about. I mean, no, Man, not we ain't talking about Minnesota. no damn Titans. No, Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> this is what I was talking <laughs> about, the upset game, because everybody had Green Bay. And I got to confuse with uh, the Titans. So I definitely have Minnesota on this one. Okay. Just because Aaron Rodgers has just been playing, um, I don't know, I expected a little bit more. He's been playing average. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, I mean, from a lot of great teams that we actually had great prospects from, they've really been playing average this year. Well, the other end is playing pretty decent, Aaron Jones. I got him having a decent night. And then Devontae Adams may have a big game as well. Because he looked like he was kind of fully healthy the last game. Well, that wraps up the games that matter this week. I wanted to introduce the yeah, next if anything. topic. Because this oh, is good. Get into it. To it. If you're so eager, this sir, is some bullshit. Is this, <laughs> this is some bullshit. So, we know in celebration of the 100th year in the NFL, each position, they release their all time list. We're going to go over the other positions in another day. 
but we got to go with this in particular because this happened recently. They released the all-time great wide receivers, and I'm going to read the list, and you tell me who's the glaring guys that's missing. Lance Allworth, Raymond Berry, the only active player to make it, Larry Fitzgerald, Marvin Harrison, Elroy Crazy Legs Hurts, Don Husson, Steve Largent, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and ended it is Paul Warfield. Now you tell me who's missing from that list, gentlemen. And we could tell uh, Terrell there. Owens is missing from that list. It's T.O. Easy. T.O. even came out on Twitter and said it's despicable how he's missing from that list. And it's been an outrage everywhere on social media. Because you know everyone knows from that list. Man, look, bias. Trey Jones is missing from that list, okay? Who? Who? Trey Quinn. Matter of fact, Trey Quinn is missing from that list. You know who Man, else is you missing? don't get the hell out of here. Hunter Man, Winfrey anyway. was missing from that list. All right, so <laughs> anyway, on to a serious <laughs> Not note. even going to lie so to you. Those are the worst, like, wide receivers in the NFL, though. Just had to make a joke. But, yeah, T.O. definitely. I agree with you, MP. Go ahead. Take it away. I'm just going to say, I mean, well, you know why T.O. Well, well, here's the thing, Mr. Jones. We know, why T.O. we know why T.O. isn't on this list, plain and simple. We know why. T.O. was somebody, he wanted to do things his way. He wasn't going to kiss nobody's ass. He was very boisterous. Um, he also protested the Hall of Fame. And, you know, the second time around when he got his gold jacket, he wasn't even there to receive his gold jacket. Do y'all remember? He had his own ceremony at home and everything. So he basically told the sports writers, told the NFL as a whole, as a league and everything, that y'all can kiss my ass. And in a way, I get it. Um, Part of it is because he put so much on the line and he wasn't recognized for it. Just like one of the tweets that he put out, and I was just like, yeah, he makes a point how they praised Tom Brady and everything for playing when he had stitches in his hand. He played in the Super Bowl, which was admirable. I'm not saying that it's not. But how soon we forget T.O. with the damn pins and needles in his ankle had to sign a waiver to even play in the Super Bowl that basically said, if you get hurt, the NFL is not liable. Like, just think about that. had over 100 yards. And had nine catches for 122 yards receiving. But T.O., he's just not a, he's not a media favorite. That's all that is. And because he's not a media favorite, that's the issue and why he didn't get on there. If we look at it now, Jerry, uh, not Jerry, yeah, Jerry Rice, where do we see him, you all? We always see him on NFL Network. You know, he's doing interviews, he's talking, you know, et cetera. Randy Moss has cleaned up his image. We see him on NFL Network and some of the other networks. So that's all it is. Some of it, I get it. Randy well, Moss Marvin Harrison made that list, though. Yeah, and Marvin Harrison. Yeah, to me, I, I don't necessarily agree with Marvin Harrison being on there because when you say name your top three receivers of all time, I've never heard somebody even put Marvin Harrison in their top three receivers. I just haven't. No. I haven't seen it's anybody do that. Rice. Oh, Marcio are you being disrespectful right now? You said nobody? 
nobody that you know. Nobody. Marvin Harrison ain't in no damn top three. No. No, he ain't in no damn top three. Because, you know, you know, two, two more people that got robbed, though, as well, I got to say it, is Chris Carter and damn sure Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson should have been on that list. Yeah, but Calvin ended his uh, ended his career early. That's what that was. He was like a but okay, my thing is, we gotta, did, but he's on the list. I was about to say that. I was just getting ready to get to that, sir. I was yeah, going to say, I was about to say that people. too. And I agree with MT. Yeah. He did end his season short. That was on him. He did, but but very did thing, too. Though, you, I was about to say that, and we got to be consistent because everybody, it's people with old heads today that will tell you. Man, Barry Sanders, man, is the greatest running back of all time, and he only played like eight or nine seasons. So if that's the case, and we're giving Barry Which Sanders, which is true, I ain't You know what? Argue me the Barry Thank Sanders you. thing is like he was the worst in loss of yardage. Yes, he could maintain it back, possibly, but that wasn't always a guarantee. Like he gambled. If anything. I about to say I see another Barry Sanders coming up, just in a different position. Honestly, Man, though, Calvin Johnson, just, man, he had the three hundred yard game. He had multiple two hundred yard games. He didn't have much of a team as Barry Sanders. Every time they tried to give him a partner, they either with Joe became a draft bust. Oh, the Carlos Rogers yeah, of the world, the Mike Williams, the first one and the second one of the world. Yep. He had quarterbacks that ran out of bounds for safeties. Matthew Stafford wasn't there since his first receiver. You feel me? Exactly. No, yeah, I true. think Calvin Johnson is that one of those. Chris Carter, though, I think that's a rivalry, too. I think a yeah, lot of I'm more okay. credit comes from Chris Carter being on that other side. And his hands was very oh, legendary. Course. And you know what? That's a good debate. That uh that we can actually do on another show, but that's something that I uh not even a debate. It was a conversation that I had with somebody the other day about how having a good number two receiver or having a good number one receiver really takes the pressure off of you. But that's why I give Michael Thomas so much credit because you know the ball is going to him. New Orleans doesn't have anybody else to throw the it. ball to, and he's snagging and that he ball still, up. There. Yeah, and he still gets 10, 12, 13 catches a game, which is crazy, where we see individuals like Juju Smith-Schuster. We see what's happening with him, that there's no Antonio Brown there. You know, like, oh, my God. That's further it, Oh, Calvin Juju Smith, Johnson. oh, my God. I don't know what happened. I don't know how his record and his standings and stats are going for the season. But he's not that elite player that he claimed to be. And it's not there. Nope. He's not. I don't hear that's why not that guy. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you. My top receiver for next year, and I'm saying it and I'm going to say it again. And you know my team, Go ahead. which is the Red Go team. ahead. Go ahead. Say it, crackhead. Go ahead. Terry McGlory. Oh, my God. Terry. 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 You already know. And I guarantee <laughs> you're going to burn up the charts next year. Next year. I guarantee okay. it. Okay. With us, you think Haskins is the answer? This ain't college, brother. Nah, I, don't, I don't really don't think he's the answer, but if anything, he could develop. He could develop. All right, man. I mean, we said the same about Jordan Reed. We see what happens. Exactly. 
Jordan Reed with the Oakland had a fire first year though. Oh no, my he bad. did. He I, had a fire. You said Jordan Reed. You said Jordan Reed. My bad. I'm thinking about uh, the quarterback that he had. Uh, Jason uh, Campbell. <laughs> yeah, Jason yeah. Campbell. But even when he with, went to Oakland. But here's the thing. Yeah, but even another thing, like Jerry Rice, he was a beast. But Jerry Rice really was beasting when he had T.O. on the other side. But y'all know me. Even though Jerry got the all-purpose yards and all those records and everything, I still put T.O. over Jerry Rice because when T.O. went to Philly, uh, who was crazy. on the other side of T.O.? I'm sorry, you crazy. Who, let me ask you this. You let me ask you this. Who was on the other side of T.O.? Can you please answer me that? Todd Pinkston, Greg Lewis. Are you serious? People knew the ball was That's going crazy. to T.O., and there wasn't nothing that they could do about it. When T.O. got when he to, to uh, yeah, yeah, he didn't play that whole season. He only played like, he didn't even play that whole season. He got horse collar. That's why he had to win yeah, the he Super Bowl. Got, he played up and until then like when he was with 49ers, Jerry Rice was still number one. You can't forget about the work he did in the A's or what he did in the Super That's Bowl. What I'm, I'm not time saying that. Time but, Jerry Rice, but Jerry Rice also used Stickum as well. Stickum Rice is what I call him now. Stickum. Okay? That's what happened with Jerry Rice. You know, You know the type of Rice Jerry is? He's the one where when you don't put enough water in the pan, but you leave it boiling and it gets real sticky. Right. Like, nah, he still got records that probably never be broken, B. I know. I'm fucking with you, right? Nah, Jerry, he is, <laughs> he's basically the GOAT. But I put T.O. after Jerry. I'm sorry. I just – I have T.O. over Randy Moss. I do. And I just – Yeah. He got T.O. over Randy. Yes. Yeah, I got T.O. over Easy. Jerry over uh, over Randy Moss. Easy. Yes. Why? Right, because of physical play? Physical play. He's he, never he don't take, quit he don't on take plays team. off. Yep. No, he don't take plays off. His blocking. And he can run every route on the route tree. Every all right, so route. now going into receivers, I ain't going to lie to you. I'm going to go all the way left field, man, because this ain't going to get nowhere. But. So, can you say Julio Jones is the modern-day Randy Moss? No. Julio Jones? No. Julio runs every route, and Julio goes across the middle. No. Hell no, he ain't a modern-day Randy. No. If anything, I I compare Julio to Megatron. I compare Julio to Megatron. You say Megatron? Megatron. Yeah, that's why I compare Julio. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Moss was a great trendsetter. He had the speed. He had the height and everything. But as far as going yeah, across jumping. the middle of the field consistently, Only taking hits, yeah, going across the middle, taking hits consistently and everything, man, those players were Calvin Johnson, uh, T.O., and Julio Jones. That's why Julio stay hurt. Ah, so that's why he's not really – striving to be the best. That's the only reason I put it in that category, but actually you made um, you made a good point. Uh, the players that you selected. So, yeah, I put them in the category by themselves. But, I mean, closing, though, out of this list, though, who is a definite lock for you? Do you think Larry Fitzgerald Who's a definite lock? Yeah. You said who deserves or who does not deserve? Who deserves, right? Who deserves, yeah. 
I mean, Jerry Rice needs to stay on there. Larry Fitzgerald needs to stay on there. Randy Moss needs to stay on there. Jerry, I tell you, I tell everybody all the time, to me, Larry Fitzgerald has the best hands ever in NFL history, period. Like, it's no debate. The only other person who you might can put up an argument with me is Chris Carter. That's it. But other than that, Larry Fitzgerald is the most consistent receiver and has the best hands in NFL history. I agree. I agree. For me, it'd be Moss, Rice, Larry Fitzgerald, and Lance Allworth. That would be my list. I mean, for the old-timers, though, Don Hudson was a legend, though, for the old-timers. So I can see that one old-timer pick being Don Hudson, though. Because he kind of made receiving what receiving was today. And the reason why I'm so high on Lance Allworth is because Lance Allworth in the um, AFL at the time when passing was everything was Tanner shows us over everybody. And he was like one of the first dudes recorded to run like a 4-3 as a receiver. Like he kind of invented the deep ball, the, the, uh, that as you see today. That's why I put him there. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I mean, uh, I don't know. When you think about uh throwback, throwback tackle, you got to think about the name that was going up in the air. And you caught that ball. Yeah. Monster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he made it, he made it a brand, but I'm sorry. You know, you were sad with Jordan. We know Jordan and them, they the greatest when it comes to marketing, so. But at the end of the day, I thought T.O. was a better receiver, though. I do. He had his 20-catch game early in his career, you know? Which is true. Like, T.O. in 98 was amazing. But, I mean, to wrap it up, though, there's a lot of positions we're going to debate about in the future and everything. But what else we got for today, man? Man, I don't even know, man. I'm not sure. You know, he has oh, yeah. to get out of, of there man. and his family. And on, that, you know, on the behalf of MT and his fam and everything, also, uh, just too much show. Merry Christmas, all that good stuff. Happy New Year's, but we still got something coming up till then. So just stay tuned. But if anything, just going on with the show. Um not sure what uh, what you want to talk about, man. I'm not saying because we can get oh, into oh, SNL man. last night look, and get into look, entertainment we go, we because we can talk about this Eddie Murphy. Yeah, look, we're going to unwind. It's Christmas time. I got this bottle of Hornitos. I'm about to knock some of this back. And let's go ahead and talk oh, about Eddie God. Murphy, man. <laughs> hey, For look, the first time. Some, I, I need a couple of shots. All right. This is going to take me a couple of hours. I'll be there, though. <laughs> <laughs> So for the first time since nineteen motherfucking eighty four, thirty five years, Eddie Murphy has went back to Saturday Night Live and hosted Saturday Night Live. I can't wait to see the ratings on this. I know it broke records and everything because you know Eddie Murphy was one of the. I think he was the best guy that ever was on Saturday Night Live history out of all the great cast they had over the four, past forty years. But what did you think of the performance and everything? How do you write um, 
I think it was phenomenal. I think that was the best choice that they could make. Um, besides, you know, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, um, a couple of people made other great, great uh, shows once they hosted SNL. I really didn't get the backtrack. I really didn't get the backtrack. That monologue was yeah, legendary. I mean, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, why well, he put legends on there because that was the most views that they probably had from these four entertainers in that segue. And Tracy Morgan. Can't forget about Tracy Morgan as well. Exactly. And it, and it was just crazy. They did a subliminal. And I don't know if anybody caught that as in where they were the forefront of, I would say, the best SNL show, surprisingly, to have there. Out of mm, urban comedy. And Are you talking about the part at the end? Urban comedy. And the part at the end. Just the, yeah, the white guy coming in. Like, you know what? Hey, I'm going to piggyback off this as I held up. And then Kenan Thompson came in. And he's been a great addition to yeah, it. Yeah, shout out to well. him. We don't give him enough credit in Hollywood and all that, man. Just his career. Started in Nickelodeon with all that. Had his show with Keenan and Kill, which was very successful on Nickelodeon. And then he's probably like the longest running member in SNL history. He's been there for like 10 years. He has to be up there. He's having a great run, you know? Shout out to Keenan for real. And he shedded that child image, you know what I mean? Because sometimes when you like a very successful child comedian and stuff, they always want you to go back to that bit. And you end, up, you end up like a Steve Urkel or somebody like that, that when you actually get grown, it's hard for you to find decent roles and work in Hollywood. But shout out to Keenan for actually finding a successful career as an adult, you know what I mean? But Which is true. let's get to some of these skits, though. He went, he Which did all the classics. How about that? He did all the classics from the eighties. Mister Robinson's neighborhood was hilarious too, man. Like that was oh, like one man. of my favorite ones. One of my favorite oh, ones, man. like in the eighties, like watching his best uh, a Saturday Night Live, man. <laughs> and then it's so crazy. Because you know my last name, my last name is Robinson. So just going on with that, <laughs> it was so hilarious because that was one of my favorite favorites just growing up. And then also it wasn't even in my generation, but just the playback clips or just seeing yes. it and then reenacting this character just brought back memories. It just made me eh, slightly felt old, but also gave me a good feeling of. You know, like, hey, I remember this as my youth, and then, like, now I'm mature and I'm adult. I can take this into the humor that it's meant to be. Yeah, that job was hilarious. Now it's all gentrified. It's not together no more. <laughs> he paid $1.2 million for the crack house. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it, makes, it makes relevancy. To the modern day and exactly. time, and that's why it's he, so he hilarious. He's talking about gentrification. He's talking about gentrification and all that. That was hilarious. 
But no, I, I wanted to rewind a little bit to the opening monologue because we forgot a couple of parts that Eddie said that was kind of hilarious but made a lot of sense. When he was talking about why he doing so much movies and all that Netflix because yeah, he got two kids. He was like, 11. <laughs> yeah, he said, he said 11 include Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It is so smooth and like so excellent. And then, like, one another thing is, Dave Chappelle shows why he's a goat. Like, he just steals every scene he's in. It don't even mean to. They was funny talking about this. I'm not even going to his, his couple right of here. statements. <laughs> I, oh my God, that that statement there. Oh, you know half of Netflix bill is right here. That that is like oh, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I think that is almost true. That is. If you think about Chris Rock and Tambourine, the Dacia Pill specials just now, Eddie Murphy doing Dolomite and Beverly Hills Cop over there, and this man coming to America. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because what they Tracy got paid, I'm sure they made more off of what they gave them out for that special. Trust me, everybody oh, was tuning yeah. into that. Yeah. Tenfold, yeah, definitely. And I'm not even going to lie, yeah. just with Tracy Morgan, his his comeback on tour, he was like, well, look, I made a lot of money, too, <laughs> on the road. <laughs> and he talked about his accident. Which is hilarious. He almost made Eddie weak too. Eddie almost broke off that joke. <laughs> it was so shocked though. Like, man, what legends, man. That was a way to kick off Saturday Night Live. It's one of the best shows in a while. And then, man, let's talk about Velvet Jones, man. Let's you get in there. That's like one of my favorite skits as well from the 80s, though. And he kept it still in the 80s, though, in his PG universe. And let's be honest, man. Keith is so smooth as the host of Black Jeopardy. It was hilarious. Because it felt I, mean, I just think, I think the 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 new generation or just the generational gap worked in perfect symmetry. Like they had a a a ping to go back and forth, and you know, Kanan is like, oh my god, he's gonna lead in the Black Jeopardy. Like that's one of the most like one of the uh, popular skits that I actually tune into. I mean. Check it on YouTube sometimes, but I don't really catch SNL live. But going into that, when he bring into that character and stayed in that character into that mode of that genre, and then still made it relevant to today, that made me was like, okay, he's the ghost. I can't wait till his stand up come out. Because that's what he <laughs> did at the end. <laughs> And at the end, you come out. He was like, you know, there's a B two movement. He was like, you like hoes? B two. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Um, that that um, just how I broke out in laughter. Yeah, I definitely remember that. Oh man. So, this is all up in Buff Week. Oh my goodness! But the Mad Singer in Buff Week that was hilarious too. I, I mean, if anything, I'm gonna say do the Buckbeat albums and all of that from the late night commercials. <laughs> hey, but look though, do you think that's where the Mad Singer came from? From today, from that skit? <laughs> it's a good possibility. It makes you. It makes think you really want to go back think and watch old classic The only thing that was missing <laughs> in that, honestly, because it was it was great, but the only thing that was missing in that was him doing James Brown. 
James Brown. I don't think he did it. I have two possibilities of why he did it. James Brown. Out of respect, or or one, he has a great James Brown segment into a stand-up, and he didn't want to put that into a skit. I mean, it's a classic. It's a classic. But it's a classic, but also he knows James Brown, too, personally. And I like that Bill Cosby. <laughs> that Bill Cosby did on the low though. Oh, that quote. He was like, "Oh yeah, I never thought I'd be successful." Or no, it didn't say successful. He said, "I never no, thought." He never thought that I'd be a If Bill Cosby in jail, I would have betted on that. <laughs> exactly. Which is crazy. Did you know back in the eighties and all that, he used to always say he like Eddie because he was too dirty and all that stuff. So. That was a shot. He Which is true. Bill shoot that shot with a lot of comedians, though. Like, they was too dirty. They wasn't yeah, clean. They weren't trying to clean up their act. But you out here, Bill, Bill uh, I mean, Pill Bellamy. Pill, Pill Bellamy got about 100 felonies. <laughs> Man, I tell you. <laughs> That's the thing that crazy. 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 But, yeah, I mean, overall, man, it was just great to see that. It was a way to end the year. Eddie Murphy, I am, I'm like you, I'm very excited for a stand-up. They showed me that he's ready. And he's going to bring a new approach because, I mean, he's older. He doesn't have all that energy that he used to. But he's smooth, though. His delivery was just smooth. Like, he still got it. He still got it. But, yeah, man, we got some. Oh, also, did you see Lizzo's performance? No, I did not. That's the only thing that I missed. Did she have the new performance? No, (laughs) she didn't have the new performance. But if you want to hear news about it, she did say the interview. She did do the new performance. It would be somewhere like Vegas or Amsterdam. Hopefully, it's in Amsterdam. But as far as the performance, it was like she's a great live performance. It was Christmas time, you know. She can play different instruments and stuff. She danced and all that. And then at the end, she had a bit with like her whole back of her outfit was see through, and she turned around, did a little twerk, you know, went overboard. And then you know that was the end of Saturday Night Live, pretty much. But if you know, I mean, that, you know that, that was, that was all just was all the the off the, that was just that was just baiting off the the controversy, everything else, you exactly. know, the Lakers game, and all that stuff. And then even with that even being said, though, it's just like, I mean, come on now, like let's be real, all right, on the whole subject, we ain't nobody body shaming, nothing. Let's look at it as an aspect in life. When you got a little bit of something, you can get away with it. When you got a lot of something, that that is noticeable. <laughs> that, that, you can't let that pass. So just think about that. And that's just to all my listeners. And I'm on equal grounds. I love to debate. Trust me. I love to debate. And I may see your reason. I may agree with you. But also, I may disagree with you. So, with that being said, I just think that's what the whole thing is. She's a lot of women. A lot of people are not ready for a lot of women. They they used to a little bit of itty bit women. 
made-up women, plastic women, not a lot of women. I think the last a lot of women that we had that made a bigger, big impact to us was between Monique, uh, also, oh my God, I forgot her name, and she was actually a nice model between before she went to Takara. Takara. Yes, um, Takara. Jennifer Hudson. I mean, Jennifer Hudson. Until she slimmed down. I mean, you keep going, she slimmed down as well. Yeah, all of them slimmed down. And Gabby Douglas. Well, you talking no, about not the chick from, uh, what is, uh, I know it's not, not, not the domestic, but the other one. Precious, Precious, Precious. Precious. I'm sad to say that's the name. Also, yeah. But I want to say those are the four, a lot of women that people took and made memes post because that's something that you can't miss. Those was the biggest women that I would say in the millenniums or just in the 2000s and beyond that we impacted on and was like, okay, they have a movement. I'm just willing to see where the movement goes. I mean, shout out for her courage, though. I mean, at the end of the day, she, she showed what she got. She's not ashamed of it. Shout out to that. But I mean, you know, it's always, you know, a, a class or quality to everything. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you forgot Jill Scott. She holds it down to me. Jill Scott should definitely be on that list. Oh, man. But, they, um, but she holds herself in class. Only reason I want to say Jill Scott because she's been in the medium. She, she hasn't really been an advocate. Me, personally, I would say until, like, in her later years and watch her music career died down. Like, even within her music career, she wasn't so body positive. I think it was just a new segue for her just to go on into something else to stay, remain relevant. Yeah. Because she was, when and she was, in her amateur years, she didn't really talk about her body like that. Until she got into maybe interviews and she had tried to sidetrack it. She didn't get into it till now until after the the fake leaks came out that she came out with news. Because they are, I mean, always be shamed. Like, it's, it's sad. I mean, then you forget on the other side, too. You forget about, like, people like Reba Wilson who's been in all the damn Pitch Perfect leaves and all that stuff. And she about to be in the uh, Cats musical. Who? So I mean, you said uh, who? Reba Wilson. She's been everywhere. She'd be Rebel, all the pitch perfect Wilson? stuff. Yeah, that's what I meant. Weber Wilson. Yeah, she's definitely up there. All right, cool. That's just like Reba. I was like, hold on, but no, um, nah. She got a lot of backlash just because she said an incorrect term. What is that? Uh, it, it was actually the the Facebook quote. It was a Facebook quote. 
Well, either way, man, shout out to her, man. She had a good year. Nonetheless, and it's going to continue once the Grammy. She's going to win a few Grammys. She, nah, she I think it was the actual Netflix when Netflix happened, and uh, Monique went on the uh, on the rant, and she had said something to counter that, and that threw her off, and she had to retract from that. That downed her career. True. True. I mean, overall, it is what it is. Shout out to Lizzo for having a successful career, but let's get into this music, man. A lot of music came out Friday, man. Let's get it started with Cameron and Purple Haze 2. Oh, man, don't start there. There's anything, man. You got to go. Let's start white. All right, let's. I mean, right. I don't know if you got into it, but let's go with the Young Thug real quick. All right. I listen to everything. Yeah, I listen to Young Thug. Pretty much a deluxe edition, like you said, of this project. I mean, it was a solid Young Thug project. What's your respect for Young Thug? I don't think it was better than that last Joni came out earlier this year. You know what I mean? But it was a decent project. Which one? What did you think of it? You talking about the slime? Uh, the it came out over the summer. Yeah, yeah, I think that was slime. Uh, I know he came out with slime, and then he came out with with uh, with this album after slime because I want to say slime was a mixtape. Then he came out with the deluxe version. Added a couple of songs, I believe. Uh, I think he added was it the London. And a couple of other tracks that's on the radio now. So I mean, it's pretty much like a pre-game. I think every artist is doing it, you know, taking their mixtapes and putting it on the mainstream, so that way they can actually make some profit off of it. Make sure that these samples are getting cleared. Making sure these DJs are getting paid for actually promoting the mixtapes and giving these beats away. So I mean, I think it's a good look. We also, also that, I mean, we got, like, this is the last edition. I mean, also, I know you probably ain't getting to it, but, you know, Too Short dropped another joint. He just continued to drop joints, man. But his one song, his one song there that stood out to me that's hilarious called Me and Your Mama with Mike Epps on there. That joint is hilarious. Oh, my God. I got to listen to it. Nah, it sounds like another story tale. There's one thing that I do love about Too Short. His game on storytelling is magnificent. It's something that you need to listen to, and I think it's the most creative thing since maybe Too Short. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, not Too Short, but uh, Slick Rick. Is he top five tellers? Is he top five storytellers? Oh, yeah, definitely on my category list. I mean, cocktails is. Cocktails is. I can just name Slick Rick, Biggie, Biggie and, and Too Short right now. You wouldn't put people like Ghostface on there or Nas? Nas storytelling is not from, I guess, more oh. personal experiences. It's more from, it's more of Well, a, that's your, 
That song I gave you power, though, when he talked about the gun I and all he, that. Like, not I was a painter picture. He, he's more of a painter picture yeah. than a storyteller. Jay-Z up there, too. You can't forget Jay. Jay up there, too. Jay's a great storyteller. Well, storyteller? Hell no. Uh-uh. Yes, he, he can, is. He can write yes, a beat. He nah, he he's, not, he's not he's telling no stories. Name, name, name one song American right now. American Gangster was a whole story of the album. American Gangster is an album and a story. What are you talking about? The whole album is a story. His first album, Reasonable Doubt, was pretty much a story. Why he was facing, why he was facing prison and all that. Streets of Watching is a movie. It's a soundtrack to a movie he made based on his life story. Exaggerated. Jay Z's a great storyteller, man. I think, but honestly, Too Short is definitely top five, if not top three. I, I agree with you on that one. But let's get into the two releases this week. First one is that nigga Gucci. East Atlanta Santa 3. Let's go in depth with this one. I thought this was a pretty fire project, and he should continue to do them every year. And you know what I liked about this? He actually went more than mixtape Gucci on this one than his album. Oh, my God. I'm glad you said that because when I listened to it, I said, okay, this is throwback Gucci. This is mixtape Gucci. It's ain't appeasing to the media Gucci. This is actually, this is before the walk. It was goo rock. Before he dropped the goo. So, I definitely was in tune to this album. And when I listened to it, I was like, all right, boom. He gave it a little holiday spirit. And it made a little Christmas jingle. That's what I'm saying. It, it was like Trap Christmas. It made sick. That's why I really loved it. Like, the jingle bills? Fire. Like, you be playing that years down the road. Like, I'm about to play that every Christmas, jingle bells. That Joe Fire. Like Mr. Wop. Fire. And he actually did good storytelling on that way. We talk about storytelling on Mr. Wop for real. How he was the hater at first and then he became the Grinch and all that. Like that was fire. So when I mean as far as storytelling, right? Like he can paint a picture uh, for you. When I mean storytelling, I mean like actually storytelling, like Getting into a book like you just read a book for the first time, storytelling. Like, these storytelling, that's just painting a picture for you of something relatable, of an issue that you may go on day-to-day life. If that's the case, then I'd probably put Jeezy up there. Because he's pretty much one of the people that paint that picture and be like, hey, you in this you in this situation, you're trying to get it back, you're trying to just da 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 so it's putting their listeners yeah. into the same, yeah. I guess, you know, theme of life and then also relating to his life as well. But he's just want to paint the picture for you. And like, okay, this is what happened with these struggles. Also, like with Rocco, think about the stakes. He, he told three stories in one song. That's true. But all the time, great storytelling. And then another person to forget is three Andre. Three stacks of them. I mean, look what he did in the artist storytelling in his career. All of them artist storytelling songs. Which is true. Like three stacks can really take a picture as well. 
I mean, Hey Y'all, On the Low, Hey Y'all is one of the most creative songs ever created if you listen and study your lyrics. But you know, like Hey Y'all, Hey Y'all is one of the relationships. if you actually get into the lyrics. I know. I know. It's depressing, actually. If we just listen to it, and he even says on the song, y'all not really listening to it. We just dancing away, dancing and dancing. Singing it okay is And it's and he so, my how it is so crazy if you break down and that song and really. Yeah. <sighs> I would say that's not, I wouldn't say that was far storytelling. That was that's also painting a picture. That's going beyond. That's painting a, pic, a picture behind the picture. Like now you have this hockey scene, but if you really look closely to the picture, like you see people going through struggles, trying to make it picture perfect. That song is genius. Like that's a song you can study in college. Seriously, Cause that song sounds so happy from the outside, but when you really get into it, it's a very, very painful song. It's about things in everyday life when people fall out of love with each other and heartbreak and all that stuff. And, like, real talk, like, dudes, like, he was just saying, I don't want to meet your mammy. I just want to one head in my caddy and all of that. Like, it's crazy. But nobody peeps that, though. Nobody peeps it. Because, like, oh, well, at least your daddy, I just want to come. <laughs> like, crazy. <laughs> crazy song. But I mean, overall though, what you rate this East Atlanta Center, man? Give me a one to five. Ah, uh, East Atlanta Center, one to five. I'm not even gonna lie to you, this ice cream truck is killing me outside of my house. But uh, <laughs> between that, <laughs> it's December though. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, he had the ice cream ring from hell, man. But uh between wow. that uh, I would have to say What's the weather Yeah, <laughs> like the, the uh the, 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 the truck from Twister. I mean what was it? No, not Twister, uh who's the joint on PlayStation? Uh Twisted Metal. Coming down the block. Ding the ding. We oh he about to make us get to a gaming segment, man. Hey, man, look, let's not do it. Yeah. But if anything, uh, with that, uh, the WAP album, I'll probably give it, like, a 3.5 just because it's still kind of mediocre. I just wanted to see what singles he come up with and if he catalyzed off that and make it to the radio. He actually does have a couple of hit songs. I think one of them personally is the M's on Ice because it has a nice melody and you can listen to that on the radio. They ride out, and I believe kids and of all ages can catch that melody. Pretty much. That's definitely the new lemonade. I wouldn't even say it's lemonade. It's more of his brand. I mean, he always talk about ice and M's and money. So it's like he pretty much put it into a, a, a universal aspect. It's like I just put some M's on ice. Do, do, do. I just put some M's on some ice, doo-doo-doo, and it's like the melody just rides. 
and the verses is just something that you may and may not relate to. I mean, like the first half, you may be on a, a better, uh, I guess, a better grind, and you may be feeling comfortable about yourself. You may just bought a house, or you may just bought a, a nice outfit. You know, you may got some extra money in your pocket, and then he also talk about like, hey, let's go ahead and get to the money to get this. Or, matter of fact, what you're doing, you're still putting M's on ice because you feel so fresh and clean. So that's that's me personally. If I was one of his A and R's, I would probably try to push that song up. Yeah, and then also just getting back to the old feel because all his old albums definitely wasn't Gucci after he got home. Yeah, but I mean at the same time, I give it a four. The reason I give it a four is because for Christmas album. It's a pretty dope Christmas album. It's a nice choice. Like I said, that would be like a quintessential track Christmas album. But let me ask you this. Out of the three that came out so far, do you think this is the best one? Mm-mm. I mean, we're saving the best one for last, which is the Cam album. No, not the best album this week. Do you think this is the best East Sunday and Sand album? Ooh, No. I don't, don't agree with that. The first season of Santa was dope. I'm not even gonna lie to you, that was the prime Gucci. And yeah, I mean, that's that hardcore getting to the Grinch Gucci. Like that was that was the Grinch. Like he wasn't Santa then. He was a Grinch. <laughs> People always love the villain more, man. People always love the villain more, I tell you. But, yeah, let's get to the album of the week, the most anticipated. How long we waited for this? Like over 15 years for them to make another one? Something like that. It's been a minute, but Cam has finally released the much anticipated Purple Haze 2. What's your thoughts on this, Zeus, before I get into it? Um... I would say this is one of the albums that we were waiting for for Dipset. And when we think about Dipset, man, you know, we think of Cameron, Jim Jones, Jewels, um, Freaky, uh, Max B, also uh, Hell Rail, um, which is J.R. Ryder. What we expect from them, we expect classics. And just coming from East Coast rap, man, this man Cam did it. Like, I I mean, to me, he did it. I mean, because I thought he was pretty much going to take the millennial approach of, okay, it's mainstream. I can go ahead and put a little jingle together. Think about it. Because, you know, Cam always bullshit with the rhymes. And I'm going to go into that later. But... He did it into the way it was still him and still was relevant to today's music. And I think that was great. And I think that was a great thing for actually for the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, it was a very solid what you project. Got to say about it. Uh, it was a very solid project. I mean, it's what you expect from something called Purple Haze too, especially production wise. It was some great beats on there and I see that he tried with a new thing when it was fading in and out of his songs to let certain bars stick out, and 
There's a couple of songs on there that really stood out to me, and they made my playlist. So a couple of them made my playlist is Medellin, Fire. Also, yeah, Losing Wayne, Justin. Fire. That Medellin jump was yeah, fire. And the one fire. before then, when he broke about, broke up, broke down his situation since he's been silent, in case you haven't been listening to the interviews with him. Yeah, that you was know, his baby moms, his girl, all that, personal endeavors, money, business. Broke it down in one song. I believe he broke it down in one verse. Yeah, that was dope. Losing weight three, I mean the losing weight. That's like the third one he made. I think this might be the best losing weight. Another, another one, good example of storytelling right there. Losing weight, talking about how he got in the game and all of that. How he just stick up people and all of that. Um, KOP was fired. That that made the playlist. Oh, the joint with uh, Wale. I don't know. Fire sample. Great beat. You wouldn't think. Cam and Wale would have oh good chemistry God. like you do, though. Man. If you notice, everything that Cam and Wale do together has been fire. Like, they have Man, great that chemistry. Wale track. Put that on air. Cam, 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 uh, <laughs> he might be revived off that one. I think, I ain't even, I'm not even going to lie to you. I think Wale is the savior. He's the unborn savior to revive. Uh, I yeah, guess but he's collaborated as far as like, yeah, his choice of collaborations has always been great. If you notice, Wale is a great collaborator. I mean, he kind of he was like you one think, of the first the, major songs in Scissor. The also, only person Eric I Bellinger. think that he can't make a song with that I didn't like. I liked it for a minute, and now and I reflect on it. It's with Lil Wayne. He, I think it's possible, but it can't be the production. Can't be a Wayne production. It has to be more of a major. But he did it before. Production. He like, did it before. And how actually, long? Which made it crazy. He went into actual rapper mode. For Wayne? No, Wale. Mm-hmm. For him to say, oh, I don't want to go to the basics of everyday rap or everyday, uh, you know, on. I got what she would say hard sitting rap. You talking about the Nike Boost remix? Nah, not the Nike Boost remix. The other joint, uh, they had one. I think it was the, uh, not the Army Gray Navy Blue. It was another one that went hard. It was in the Nike Boost remix. It was similar to the Army Green. Well, yeah. I want to say Wale was the one too. It was, if it wasn't well, that song, it was something similar to it. Why you don't Say think again? they got the chemistry though? I said, why you don't think they got the chemistry though? Because because Wale, I mean not Wale, because Wayne can't elevate himself. Wayne is one dimensional. I don't think 
that he can actually go to that level where he needs to be that that uh what I say um like that legend. Oh He's my missing god, a lot of factors. He's missing a lot of factors. Think debate. about it. And every I think about this, you know, how many how many how many songs Wayne has got on, right? Uh-huh. Like he he didn't got on with Legend and haven't I guess elevated his flow. Like we we know what Wayne flow is. Punchlines after punchlines, punchlines. Cool, I get that. It works for him though. Why change the formula? Because it doesn't work when you go to somebody that, hey, you know what, you're a great rapper. We wanna see you go ahead and push it to the next level. Like, because this rapper right here, hey, he's kind of up there. We know you're up there, but he's kind of passing you. So why come with the same music? Can you give me an example? Give you an example? Oh, great example. Great, great example. Rick Wallace, um, Maybach music. Well, Wayne was on the way made back music. And it sucked. That was my whole point. Well, Kanye said And then you cut. And you cut. Kanye And you cut the T-shirt off. Oh, they did cut. Huh? I'm not talking about actual made back music. I'm talking about the Rick Ross album that that recently come out. And when I do the John with uh, John Legend. I almost forgot. I almost okay. forgot. I almost forgot. I know you're talking about. They kept yeah, you see how you forgot, right? Yeah, what's because the I mean, look, there's two great people on there, and he came up with this mediocre right, verse. Right. How can you even he do that? Like, though. how is that even in comparison? He owed now. Oh, seven way would have been a different story. He owed now. And honestly, it's been a long time since he got deep and did real rap or anything. That Wayne that could do real rapping songs like Mr. Scarface and Don't Cry, like on the drought on the drought mixtape and all of that, that's the Wayne that'll be alright. Like the Wayne that did the Suffolk will be alright with Wale, but you ain't gonna get that Wayne in pain like that no more. Wayne in pain, alright. So even with that, um, they actually came out with a mixtape. Which was maybe a couple of a couple of years ago, and then uh, even with that, it was it was mediocre. I want to say T Pain actually carried that album. I want to say we listened to that album. Well, that no, I'm not talking about Wayne T Pain. I'm talking about Wayne as far as pain, like emotionally, Wayne being in the strut. You know, Wayne putting like his soul on the track. We haven't seen that in a very long time. That's the Wayne. I mean, but that even still, when he came out with the, the, the last dedication, that was supposed to be Wayne that came out with the pain because he was going through the court issues and everything else. So you don't think that was supposed to be the time that he was no. supposed to be that man? He was, but he didn't, no. But, you know, before we get into more Wayne, though, what you rate this Cameron album, though? Because we got to finish getting through this Cameron real quick. Cause that was oh, fire. man, I ain't even going to lie to you. I, I rate this Cameron. Ah, uh, shoot. I'm rating it to four. I gave three, Gucci a 3.5. I got to give it to four. 
maybe a four. I know the back speed joints when you went old school. That was so New York. I can't do a four point five. Only reason because he still bullshitted, and he started to get lazy and he gave some old Cam shit. And I was just like, "Come on, Cam, you supposed to kill this whole this whole uh, album through." You were supposed to go ahead and go up there and knock Jim Jones, but you know you didn't knock yourself off. So wait for the four, next venture for Dempsey. Yeah, I give it a four, and I had to say this: I can't wait to Joel's come home and Max B. Like when the whole Dipset is together, but I don't know if Max B and Jim Jones are ever getting along again. You feel me? But at the end of the day, this is not better than Jim Jones' project. Jim, Jim Jones' project is still a candidate for album of the year. We're getting that next week with our top fives and stuff. But it's a very, very good project. It's good for Dipset. It's good for Harlem. It's good for New York. I give it a solid four. Even a, no, I give it a four. I'm not going higher. But more than half the album on my playlist, though. And what is this good year to bring back that old school New York sound with the sampling and all of that in this air? What a good way for heat makers, A rap music, and people like that to really get in the stride again. Because between Max B Project, this right here, Jim Jones Project, that sound has been fire, you know what I mean? Yes. Shout out to heat makers, man. Legends in the sample name, so yeah, I give him a shout out to that. I wouldn't now. say, I wouldn't say legend. I don't know. Been in a lot of other samples that been that been fire lately. So he makes that well, legendary for the sample. Heard actually, uh, uh, the game album samples is actually fire. Yeah. The game always makes good. Uh, he always have good production and stuff like that. But you can't tell me Heat Makers though ain't legendary with their samples and production. Now, do we have to go over the albums? Do we have to go over some of the classic samples they had? Who? Dipset. Heat Makers. Dipset and Heat Makers. Oh. Yes. All the Jim, all the Jewels makers, like, oh yes, and that's even late Jewels, early Jewels, like Squad Lane. You had gangster music. You had the Dipset albums where I really mean it. We, re- I'm ready. Great samples. That's what like him, them and Kanye was going at it as far as king of samples to me, but Kanye got that. <laughs> But let's get back to the topic at hand, man. We got like 15 minutes left, man. We debated this off the air. Let's go ahead and just do this shit live and get it over with, man. I'm about half the bottle in already, and I'm ready to fucking debate. So, Little Wayne is a legend in my eyes. Why is Little Wayne not a legend in your eyes? I'll let you take the floor, and then I will re- respond. And we'll let the public decide. Hold on, uh, let me let me get this way. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me crack this bottle real quick. You have to get comfortable. <laughs> let me you have simmer to get comfortable it. Before you let me hit a quote, Wayne quote real quick because all right now what I want to tell the people 
Wayne is dearly in my heart. As in me growing up and being real to myself, I would say classified as top three. Now, from going from that point on, hold on. So, as with the Wayne quote, you know, I had to excuse myself. But Wayne has not, since he was in his peak performance, did anything different besides when he came out with the stop video on BET, and that was different. And it gave us a personal aspect of Wayne, of Wayne and something that's relatable to everybody to hear. Other than the nice hotlines and punches that we can get from any other rapper. That's why I say Wayne is not a legend. Wayne had a nice hot streak, but not legendary. Well, allow me to rebuttal a retort. This is why Wayne is a legend. First and foremost... He found a way to get his name in the public spotlight for over 20 years. Longevity. That's one way why he's a legend. Another way why he's a legend. Negative and positive. I'm sorry. He invented the term bling. Bling, bling is Lil Wayne term, which made the Western Dictionary. The first entertainer to do it, by the way, even did it before The Rock when he invented SmackDown. That's in the that's in the Western Dictionary today. That's another reason. Which is not old. Another which reason is not old is, patent by them as well. Another reason is he made it through multiple eras of hip hop. He made it through the killers in the late nineties of hip hop. He made it through the early two thousands with the samples of hip hop. He's even doing things in today in hip hop. And then let's talk about actually starting careers and being a record label owner. YMCMB in the modern era had one of the best runs. And I think their model is what people do today as far as rappers that own labels. People like QC, um, crews like QC, crews like Dreamville, crews like TDE. They're doing the same formula that YMCMB had. And you know who careers today, the, arguably the artist of the decade, Drake. Honestly, it shouldn't even be a debate. Drake is the artist of the decade. He started on the way. The female artist of the decade, hated or love it, Nicki Minaj, started on the way. You can't tell me that man is not a legend. Mixtapes. We talked about it. Some of the best mixtapes. He arguably has two of the top five best mixtape series of all time with the dedications and the job is over. Still in the top five or ten mixtape of all time. He has hip hop categories to the backpackers. To the people that go to concerts only. Wayne has hit everybody. You could go back and still okay. listen to the Carter 2 with no skips. 
The Carter Three, one of the highest selling albums of all time, bought by the label or not. A lot of people do it. Still one of the highest selling albums of all time, The Carter Three. But I'll let you continue, sir. All right. So if you if you going off of that, and I, or I really wanted to change my defense because. Only other person that I can probably put up there in my state that's not a legend as well because of their downfall um, would be Kanye West. And if you want to argue the fact of what he what he has done for other people, yeah, I can I can put that in consideration. Yes, yeah, he had Nicki Minaj, but was that a part of him? Nah, fuck no. It was part of Gucci and shit because he didn't sign Nicki Minaj and he gave her up and gave her the young money. As well. What? Um, well, as Drake, Drake was uh, okay. through Jay Prince, and actually Jay Prince yeah, went through they, they somebody else, and Drake luckily signed up with Little Wayne just because he had actually Wayne wrote a fucking song for him. Work. And he wrote a song for him a long time ago on a mixtape, and that don't buzz more than anything, and nobody ever knew who the hell Drake was. And he was like, you know what? You're going to be a star, and he took Drake under his wing. He luckily got a and that was through the great, that was through the great Jay Prince, and also through other things as well, and also that was also through another known rapper, and I cannot specify right now because I don't want to give out any false facts. Now going on to that, I give Wayne those factors of going on with that, but also who maintained that whole camp, son, not baby. Now, Slim maintained that home camp. Everything was a trickle under him. So for him putting these artists out, everybody had to go out. To be honest with you, the hottest fitter that they had at the time was Gutter. But Gutter didn't have the appealing face, just like also currency that was with Young Money. So you see how that worked. So they had uh, well, to go the cash with was a hit. So they had, they had to make it. They had to make an image, and the image was. A new route, which became Nick Minaj and Drake, and that carried us. But there was more and also, think about it. Let's go back to '98. Can, when the can you say this? Broke can you say this? Now listen, listen, can listen you? to me. When the high point broke up, right? We did think Wayne uh, would be the dude he is today, the most successful out of all of him. All of them. Uh, not at all. We thought, Especially listening to lights out. Uh, what is it? Uh, so Five hundred degrees. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, yeah. We never, we never Wayne. seen Wayne at the state until he dropped the Carter, right? Well, I would say squad up personally. Wayne started getting this flow on squad up. I mean, he got his, he got his well, flow on squad up, Wayne, but also, yeah. you don't. I mean, I, I'm a real, I'm a real Wayne fan, and if you don't know, then. This first three squad up mixtapes was the dopest out of all of the squad up mixtapes because he had the whole camp with him. Gutter was back then with him too as well. And also, uh, God, I can't think of the other guy name. And he used to rap his ass off. But I have to go back to it and I'll probably mention it later. But there was another guy that was rapping his ass off. Too. Back, and he's actually pretty much rele- irrelevant. Nah, somebody else other than Gutter. And. Once they separated, Wayne got a lot of flack from that. That's why when they came out with the the, the four, five, and six, it was all 
short tracks that he was just rapping on because his camp was breaking down. He was trying to reinvent himself. Then also that's when cash money had they drug money, uh, drug problems, everything that was going into that. So nobody really knew where they were. Everybody was breaking down. So he Everybody made it through left. all of that. I believe BG got locked up. Juvie but left. But he made it through. Um, yeah, but he made Manny it through Fresh all that. Manny Fresh left. But he made it through all of that, though. That's the thing I'm saying. He made it through all the different ways. Wayne reinvented himself at least four times in his career. As a, as a child rapper to growing up and starting to be more of a street-type hood rapper to being like, a little bit swaggy to being a superstar. It didn't be like, even though I didn't like his rock air, it still was successful at some point. It didn't do the person he is now. Like, he transformed himself a lot of times to still stay relevant. Like, he's a legend, bro. As much as I hate to say it, he's a legend. I, you can't, you hate to say it because you just want to put it into. I guess intuition. I guess if anything, no, because lately, to me, because we've proven I can't credit what he does in his what, career. What, think, what I think of legends, I think of, I think of like maybe Jay Z. Um, well, definitely, he's Scott an icon. Base. He's the honor of uh, Jay Z's an icon. Who else? Uh, All the people had longevity, like Wayne. Wayne been around just as long as him, almost. Like oh, what? Right. So well, when not, you think of a legend, when, when a legend comes out, when a legend comes out with a longevity song, is a big key. That's like LL Cool J is a legend. Longevity, man. Like LL Cool J. No, I say LL Cool J is an icon. If anything, I'll give you that. He's an icon. I give you that. He, he's an icon. He's up I there with Jay Z. He up there with Jay Z and Diddy. Somebody to view And then also like his rap Is way before At least my time To even chime on him And just me even listening to it I say he's an icon I wouldn't say he's a legend Because even in his rap day If we go on beats um, Shoot even if we go into Fucking Eminem come on now He's not a legend No well, no, oh. ah, it's, ah. It's, but it's the same argument as Wayne. Like, yes, yes, and he did great with D12. Yeah, look, Eminem could be a legend. Eminem is a legend. I he would not could be a legend. Him. He is a legend. So you mean no, Wayne could is. be a legend? Well, then he is. He is. No, a legend. he is. Eminem is. Nah, Eminem you're just changing it because no, it's okay. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Don't bullshit me. No, don't bullshit me. He's a he, <laughs> Eminem is a legend from his early projects. This this has come up in his early projects we'll and being in we'll that him a legend, though. dominated society and making it. I mean, come on. Everybody was singing I'm Slim Shady, the real Slim Shady. That's still one of the best performances in hip-hop history, man, what he did at the uh, Video Music Awards with all the different Eminems and all of that. You know what I mean? And, I mean, and then the things he did with uh, D12 approved and him and with Royce. I mean, with Royce. Look at Royce. I mean, lyrically, Royce is a legend. Lyrically. 
He's a Detroit legend. If, but let me ask you this: Who's people that still like active today, like modern day, that you would consider a legend, or on a like on a way to be a legend, like that came out this decade? Today we got about yeah, yeah, a couple of minutes. Yeah, who's active? Who you think could could be a legend? Who's already a legend that came out this decade? Cole. I give you that. What about Kendrick? Depending on his next project, if his next project dominates. And gave give that same energy as everything else, then I believe yeah he I think could it will. make legendary. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then also down, yeah. you know one more person too, Rihanna. Oh, she's already she comes out with another dope. If she comes out with she, another dope, but she's project, already there. And you're pretty much, I mean, but she's still a what about Drake? topic of. What about Drake? I don't know, I man. The only thing is with Drake. You know, the only thing that cancels Drake out, right? It's because it's Drake. I think he played into that light skin persona too much and that soft, cool guy, so we may put him in the friend zone. And but I don't think really though. too much and of any... Like, it, it, it works It works for the advantage of money. So many like out, of, out, of, out of money and respect, you got to think about it. It's like, it seemed like you're just being a get with. You're just like that geeky friend that can be cool, but everybody likes you. Right. I mean, success-wise, he might be like the Michael Jackson of this shit when it's over, as far as success and being number one. He's young Rand this decade. He's the hardest of the decade, uh, I would say. Honestly, I think he's already a legend. Like, future. Future is already a legend. I will... I will say, Future is up there as a legend to me. He changed the whole culture of what it was. He said Future. Now, Era was born. Yeah, Era was born because of Future. The whole, that whole druggy era that, that we just went through, that was all Future. Nah, that whole druggy era was born through Mac Man, to be honest with you. I want to go all the way back, though. I mean, 3 6. Is the Seriously, to be for real. well, if you want to go into that, yeah, three six because they was the first. Well, to me, that I listened to, and I thought I was tripping, and they was talking about doing coke and everything else, and I was just like, yeah, it was three six, coke, it was three, six. like pills and coke. Shit. Like, you serious? Do a line? What? Nah, I'm, okay, I But far beyond that. As far as uh, everything else, I'll probably say I'm not even going to lie. Like, with Wayne and Mac Main, like he definitely called that Molly epidemic. And the ecstasy and all that, which is crazy. I definitely have to shout out to him just listening to rap. And if anybody just want to challenge me, do your research. All right, so we got about a minute left, man. Good conversation today in closer. Happy holidays to everybody. I'm signing out, Mr. Jones, a.k.a. Sam Jones, and Mr. Come First because you got to respect me. And my co-host, tell them where to find us at, brother. Oh, man. You know, it's just the truth. Closing out. 
And then also you can find us uh, IG, Facebook, YouTube, and also Twitter. Um, catch us on Too Much Show. If not Too Much Show, Too Much Show official page. And I appreciate, appreciate y'all for listening. And also catch us on the playback on Apple Music and the Android and uh, Android and uh, Pal Podcast app. I'm sorry, it's late in the show and I'm ready to go. But check your next show and I get back with you. Peace. Peace and good luck for me in fantasy. I need it, Lamar. Peace.